Hi, Greg here from Core Lanes, and here we go with episode five of our podcast, Hunt Hard, Talk Free. And I've got special guest uh, Brian Peterson here, who's going to... Oh, yeah. Patterson, sorry. Yeah. My bad. That's okay. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about CWD and some of the strategies that are happening in the Peace River area, and I guess, well, across... Well, yep, it happens provincially, everywhere. Provincially, um, you know, globally, even, yeah, so to na- speak. Nationally and, yeah. and, and continent-wide a little bit, maybe. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit just before the show about background and things like that. Yep. So um, you said you're kind of uh, supporting uh, some groups out of Nanaimo, correct? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of hired on a, a seasonal basis uh, contracting to the BC Wildlife Health Team who's based out of Nanaimo, and they've been running a chronic wasting disease uh, surveillance program since, I think, 2001. Awesome. So I, I've been helping, uh, this is the second year that I've been helping. It kind of just starts in August, and, you know, with, with I suppose, with roadkill goes to about yeah, March or so. And you then know? your hunting influence, really, in BC, your, your, your deer harvest really starts, call it September 1st yep, in a right. lot of places. That's so right. yeah, I guess yeah. once the samples are more available, yeah put more time and effort into yeah absolutely yeah. yeah i mean you see the change because we are also taking moose samples and elk samples so you see kind of that you know earlier we get more moose and then at least they're getting some elk and now it's kind of we're into the deer yeah and then finish with you deer bet. and absolutely. then uh work all winter putting and, and everything then do, together right exactly <laughs> and maybe picking up a little uh bonus roadkill yeah well yeah. hey it happens <laughs> it happens for Quite sure bit, yeah. um so Based on this, now BC currently is CWD free. That's correct. But we've got zones as close as the Alberta, like Edmonton area, that you said there has been positive yep. Uh, yep. Uh, so, conditions so, there. So there's, um, I think, in both sort of free ranging and captive populations uh, okay. in in the Edmonton area and just west of Edmonton. Um, so that's that's still a little ways off, but could you know, be moving. But six hundred and fifty kilometers yep. is—I mean, I can walk that. You can, and there's not a too. lot of barriers. Right? No, no. So, it's, so I mean, it's it's more like a matter of time. It may not happen. Yeah, you got, and, and we have river valleys and stuff that do. travel those corridors. And, so. and there's, and I mean, when we start talking a little bit more about some of the, uh, I guess, properties of chronic wasting disease and the persistence of these prions in, um, you know, soil and uh, plant matter and so mm-hmm. on. Um, that transportation, uh, you know, that movement of infected uh, materials and prions could happen a lot quicker. Yeah, you always think that, yeah, how does it get around? I mean, yeah. I, well, think of it as like hopping on a plane. Well, know? yeah, in this day and age, it's, it's it can be like hopping on a plane a little bit. I mean, you know, uh, lot movement of live animals yep. is, is, is definitely uh, a concern, right? We are close to the Alberta border. Um, but Edmonton, yeah, geographically, Edmonton, yeah. You know, a deer's not going to move uh, 650, not that I know of anyway. I don't know any deer that's moving 650 kilometers in a, in a season. No. Right? I, I mean... You know, we're not talking no, caribou or something no, like that no, have no. massive migration it, it, routes. Exactly. But, um, I know mule deer <clears throat> that I've found or whatever, mm-hmm. even even locally around my farm or whatever, yep. how, you know, deer that I know have made the winter, yep. they'll, they'll leave and I've heard collar deer showing up. 40 miles down the road they yep. come from yep. uh like say in the upper part of the sickeny river area or whatever and they'll migrate down to the peace river for wintering areas and things like that so you get a pretty yeah. good migration yeah, of that some is, of those that is deer a pretty good migration right? um i know they've done some migration work i think i, I think it's in the kootenays and you know like 
50, 60 kilometers, yeah. uh, but you know, seasonal migrations definitely, and definitely stuff. happens. Yeah. Good groceries yeah. and then coming. And, and I mean, late. over time with that, you know, maybe they're, they're not super long migrations, but they'll do that and then they could potentially infect an area and then they could, you know, then yeah. deer that are coming from a slightly different population, yeah, I suppose, could, could move slowly that way, but you know, or they catch up with a different herd and they yeah, migrate exactly. to this valley. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's an endless scenario in that sense, but the, uh, I guess the main thing is to keep BC and most places to either minimize it mm -hmm. and eliminate it yep. or prevent it via different things. Now I hear all sorts of doom and glooms. Uh, again, you get, uh, potential like you know, and I, uh, doom and gloom, that's a little bit too much. But well, there, it is a bit, like, I mean, there is. It's easy to go down the doom and gloom road, right? Absolutely. Now, as a hunter perspective, of course, we, in the north, I mean, we hunt, we eat, we do everything mm -hmm. about that. Uh, the transfer of CWD into the human food chain, if that's going to be something. Right. To date, I, <clears throat> I didn't read any science on it that it has transferred over to the humans, but they have been able to put it into some lab scenarios uh, yeah yeah certain monkeys there, there, so yeah and some there's, rat and mice type scenario right yeah, there's so. no evidence that um that chronic wasting disease you know can transfer into humans yeah. uh but there is also you know the, the, you can't say definitively that it's not possible yeah because right? it hasn't they ha in there have been lab scenarios where um they have managed to infect uh primates so so uh, i think macaque monkeys right with uh, chronic wasting disease but one study was able to basically infect them another mm -hmm. study that tried to duplicate it wasn't um you know with um i think with mice you referred to there's yeah. a, you know they they have shown that generally mice are not susceptible to a certain strain of chronic oh, wasting okay. disease but you know and this is something that gets a little bit beyond my knowledge oh but, yeah but like there are this, multiple that's about apparently there's grade. multiple strains of chronic yeah. wasting disease and, and a chronic wasting disease that you have in um you know mule deer may be slightly different than what's in elk and, and, and moose and that's something that you know i i would say look for the information yeah. out there because i'm i don't have that information All yeah i know is there's a few different strains and um, they may, uh, you know, be slightly Affect. different with those different yeah. animals. It's, that's their carrier and it doesn't cross over. And yeah, it's one that being said, um, it, it is quite possible that the um, chronic wasting disease that has infected deer could be transferred to a, a moose or an elk, mm -hmm. right? So we don't know if that's sort of evolved independently they, or if it's... They figure the, their first cases was like in Colorado on a... on a Was it a wild herd or so a no, that would have been in captivity. captivity. I believe that was okay. at a research facility, but then... Um, so it looks like it started with deer, <clears throat> call it, if, if they had to point a finger so far. Yeah, was it? I'm trying to think. I, I think it was deer... Yeah, I think in Colorado, in a captive one, but I right, um, but the, but even there, they don't know exactly where that came from or how it originated. Yeah, right. That's Did crazy. it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to think it didn't come out. of Well, in 1967, too, they're not looking for they're, it. They're right? not. So. You know, so it was just a, an abnormality, and some something got sick, I, different I, than ever, anything they've seen yeah, before. I or? don't know exactly how how it originated, yeah. but that's where um, it was first detected. That's Interesting, right. and then like you say, how it has kind of jumped around to different areas yeah um you know as a hunter our biggest you know fears are if if bc get, gets chronic wasting disease what will that look like for hunting opportunities and everything else as it goes forward 
Um, I know, I think, you know, just in the background, I see different deer regulations mm-hmm. being opened up more and more. Like they're adding more deer harvest. They're adding points restrictions yep. are dropping <clears throat> off. You know, yeah. from the backside, I see, I think they're trying to manage the population and to lower the concentration a little bit to... Well, to I, a degree. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't say that that's something that's actively happening right now. But it's, um, you it know, seems the shift is. Yeah, you know, I mean, some of those, more, but, but some of those yeah. point, uh, you know, lowering of say point restrictions. Um, you know, I think there's multiple reasons for some of those things, and it could be taking pressure off, you know, say the four point bucks or something, yep. right? Oh, and, yeah. and, and and saying, hey, you know, maybe we're going to have more four point bucks remaining after harvest if we allow people to target some smaller. And I mean, yeah. there's lots of debate you could go oh, on. Oh yeah, in, this in, is in, into that. This is the story that right. I, I only, don't. Know. There's only two points yeah. breeding, my dear, so, because well, that's because we yeah. shot all the fours and threes. You sure, know, that right. sort of scenario. Right, and and you know, and, and I don't know whether that's something yeah. that's occurring or not. But um, I guess, but I do, to my knowledge, there is there there is no relation between uh, the risk of chronic wasting disease and allowing and any driving. more liberal sort of hunting yeah. uh, options. Yeah. To you know, basically, yeah. Yeah. man-made population reduction, so to speak. Sure, yeah. sure. Then, now it's interesting. I mean, should chronic wasting be detected somewhere in a province? Yeah. Then that could be a scenario where you know you open up certain areas. You know where they are either at higher risk or you want to get samples like you want right. more samples from an area where you've had a positive detection then i could see them opening up a, can't you take know, samples from living no and, and they did something similar like to in, in alberta right? yep. when it was when it was uh, uh detected there they they allowed quite a few deer to be shot they had um, they even had you know a government uh, i think sharpshooters out uh, collecting samples as well yeah right? oh yeah. yeah yeah and that and, and again that then you can solidify some information yeah. quickly and, and I mean, be able to... Actually, I mean, it's probably a good point uh, or a good time to just sort of, you know, should chronic wasting disease be detected in British Columbia, there is a, um, there's, there's a response plan. Yeah. It's in place. You can get it on the, you know, if you were to type chronic wasting disease BC, it's on the, the provincial, the, the government website. website. Oh, nice. And um, it's, the, the idea is to update it every three years. But... <clears throat> Just to take you through some of the, the main highlights of it, um, so for every sample that comes in, we um, you know we we collect the sample that'll go to the lab, and then we also collect a backup sample mm-hmm. that gets basically frozen, put in the freezer, right? Yep. And should you have a positive detection at the sample that goes to the lab, uh, we want to make sure that that was not just a lab error or something like that. That's right. So then we've got a backup. Sample the backup. Okay, you're you're totally sure that you've, you've yeah you you've got, got a DNA a match here detection. and a DNA match there. Yeah, you know, yeah. You can and I can, really well, and I can tell you a little bit from. about that process in a sec. But awesome. the <clears throat> so so once you're sure maybe that you have positive detection, then um, you would you would need to start looking a little bit outside of that area, right in that area and outside of that area to see. Okay, well, how pervasive is this? Do we you know, were these, was this the only animal that we can get? You know, do we sample 100 animals in that area um, and get, you know, get a bunch of positive detections, in which case that sort of dictates what action to take. Yeah. If you really don't, then that'll dictate maybe a different action. And and one of the, I think, the most important things, and, and, and I think really, you know, interesting things that, that I've been recently told by the, uh, you, you know, by the woman that runs the provincial program yeah. is that, should chronic wasting disease be detected, it really be will be a collaborative approach 
between the government and all the stakeholders. So, awesome. you know, whether you're a guide outfit or whether you're, you know, uh, running a hunting store or, yep. an, you know, a sporting goods store where you, you rely on the outdoor influence, on, on, yeah. Exactly. That's how, you know, that's that's your livelihood. Yep. Um, you know, First Nations, um, all sorts of different stakeholders would come to the table. And we do have a working group in the Peace Region. Um, and there's also a working group in the Kootenays. Yeah. And <clears throat> basically to try to determine the type of action that is right yeah, for the to, situation. And to pool your resources. Yeah, because, exactly. I mean, it's someone's backyard, mm -hmm. whether it be private land where this is going to occur, yeah. or it could be something in yeah. a ceremonial type area that's uh, yeah. sensitive or a park. Yeah. 100%. Um, and things like that. So, yeah, you, you've got a lot of boxes to check and yeah. movement of people and, and a lot of people of really is, care about this type of stuff a, like, I mean, a lot of you people know, like, are very very you know i mean rightly so you know passionate yep. about the outdoors on every about, side of yeah, that whole exactly. equation you take that you know no if you're an eco-tourist and your park is yeah. now a hot spot and actions have to be taken there i mean uh, yeah, yeah it's know, got lots of it's lot going to be on the news you know oh yeah they, they're it will. they're killing animals out of a park so, they're doing this and that but it's for a good reason yeah. and and there's and there are opportunities if people are really interested in this and you know whether it's now or in the future there's going to be opportunities for people to you know have input um and to participate yeah right so yeah and, and participation is a huge one and i i think like from my perspective we talked a little bit about like sampling and how to get mm -hmm. better involved in right. it. I know that at our store for every sample that's issued, mm -hmm. you get a ticket yep. and you get to put it in for a draw and, and you, you can win raffles, yep. uh, all sorts of different raffles, but there's rifles and yep. it's prizes and things like that just to motivate people to say, hey, really, this doesn't take a lot of time out of your day. Yep. It's valuable and yep. important information that's being pressed on. Uh, and yeah. we touched on some of the different things about uh, potential like field sampling kits that might be a, uh, yeah. that a sportsman can do to absolutely to help you guys a lot more to tidy yeah. up the samples, make them smaller, yep. make them easier to deal with. Yep, and 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 to and you know to just to, to encourage encourage participation. Yep. Right, you got to make it as easy as we can. Um, to get the number of samples that yep. we need to get to be confident that I mean right now we're CWD free right, That's right. We're, I, I think the fact that we're here talking about it is really a great um, example of uh, proactive you know, being proactive oh. to managing to you know to, to addressing this you know and, and and the sampling is a huge part because you know if you think about it um, if we have one positive out of say you know and, and in British Columbia they, they have sampled you know, over 4,000 animals since 2001 with no yep. positives, right? So that, so that's good. I mean, obviously the disease is spreading, so we have to stay vigilant. But, you know, you have one positive sample, and, and maybe you can deal with that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, I mean, that one is going to, it's probably not an isolated thing, right? So it's one, maybe it's a hunter sample. Right? Yep. Brought in, hunter's brought in a head, we sample it, oh, it's, it's positive. Um, but you've only got one one positive. It's a lot easier to deal with, and you know, all of a sudden, oh, we haven't been looking for it, and now we've got a hundred positives, and they're spread through, you know, four different management units. I mean, I think at that point, it's then you're playing you're, catch up. Well, and and and, and, and I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a, a battle that we can really, you know, win. you want to catch it. Um, that's early. gives you the best chance, right? So it's like so, cancer. You know, early I'm, detection yeah. is the only thing. You know, yeah. wait too long. Absolutely. So I mean, I really appreciate you inviting me here to talk about oh, this yeah. and just, oh. you know, try to 
try to spread the word and maybe think of a few ways that we can um, you know the hunters have been great you yeah. know we've got lots of uh, lots of participation uh, but you know, but I we we can do. I know there, there's a lot of animals out there that don't. And I know in the peace country, um, you'd mentioned right now hunter harvest. It's a voluntary scenario mm-hmm. now in the Kootenays. Um, as it sits, it's mandatory in certain management areas to sample. Yes. So each yeah. deer so for uh, killed has to be sampled. Right. So for um, <clears throat> mule deer and white-tailed deer in management units four one through four seven. Yep. Uh, in the Kootenays, it is mandatory to have your your harvested animal or your harvested deer sampled yes um you know they're i i don't know that they're getting a hundred percent of the of those and and that's the way it's kind of is but uh this is the first year that they've had that sort of regulation um making (coughs) making submission mandatory so there's there's an outreach and sort of an awareness and and an education a little bit of a lag there probably yeah, there's always that, yeah. that learning curves at the beginning. Yeah. That, that being um, said, I think they've they've uh, <coughs> they've got over about 650 samples roughly to date. Uh, so, yeah. so I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. I think within you know within their target areas, they're a little over 400 because some of those samples come from outside of their target areas, yeah. and they would like to reach the thousand sample Mark. target, which gives them statistical confidence that the disease isn't present. Yeah, and I mean, I've never really seen because, uh, you know, in the peace area too, only for a few years it was actually mandatory to report your mule deer harvest because mm. there was uh, uh, a restriction on the timeline. Right. You can only shoot one buck every two years or three years type right. thing. So you would do a compulsory inspection report, um, and that provided some hunter uh, numbers. Now, yeah. r- right now, other than your hunter harvest questionnaire, which people should diligently fill out yeah. i mean it you don't have to tell them where you shot it just the nearest watershed uh just yeah. basic information um how many days you hunted or if you harvested male female etc yeah. which that's what they base a lot of their yeah call harvest numbers on yeah um so i'm not aware of the number because I, I haven't looked it up just to see what is the traditional harvest for mule deer in the peace region area say through region 7b mm, which mm, i'm more familiar mm, with on mm. this side of the rock pile yeah. and what's the whitetail harvest aspect because now we're getting because the whitetail is, is open from september 9th right till the end of november so it's actually a really long time yeah. and i believe a lot of deer get harvested in that earlier season and then you have that doe influence where a lot of people who are meat hunting mm-hmm. are definitely yep. taking advantage they, of yep, that for sure and does they're great to harvest and great to yep put samples in because guess what no horns no nothing actually no trophy it is kind of nice <laughs> whap and, and stack and, and it's a good point so um animals that we can sample okay mm-hmm. um basically chronic wasting disease uh, probably takes a couple years to kind of incubate okay right so you know it doesn't mean the animal won't sort of be able to shed infectious material yeah but um they won't show any clinical signs so clinical signs i mean and and you cannot tell a deer or 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 a cervid that's positive for chronic wasting disease just by looking at it yeah they may show signs that could indicate something is not normal about them right but there's other there's other things too that could that could um you know sort of mimic the same types of symptoms absolutely so so you you know if you see a, a deer that's um you know really emaciated so it's getting real skinny you know yep. it's it's i mean 
if you watch a deer enough, it could be awfully thirsty, but it, uh, its coordination might start to go. It's a, uh, I've heard them referred to as droopy droolers. Yep. Right. So they're kind of, they're they're yes. got their head down. Lethargic. They're kind of you know they're drooling, um, and and I mean all of that material, right? That that saliva, um, urine, feces. That's all infectious agents that they're okay. basically shedding to the environment. Um, but, you know, basically anything less than a year in a, of age. I mean, occasionally, you know, you see some roadkill that's like, you know, a, Still a, a, a spots, young animal. Yeah. yeah, that's that's nothing that we would sample. Right? Okay. It hasn't had enough time to for, even develop it. Right? Yeah, and even if it is, it's not going to probably show up in the in in the samples. Yeah, you want a mature take. animal, which is nice because we, we hunting, do like, hunting I mean, wise, I, I, you're generally yeah, exactly. Ideally, a mature animal. Right? Yeah, and um, hunting classically least a, least leans toward least a year right? old. Yeah. Um, yeah, but those bucks, you know, that's fine. Interestingly. Um, the, the the chronic wasting disease, and I'm calling it disease. It's I mean it's it's a it's a protein, abnormally shaped protein, basically. Yeah. Um, but it's most prevalent in um, adult male mule deer. Right? Okay. And probably something to do with you know behavior and, and the way they can sort of group up at certain times of the year um, and 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 make themselves more susceptible to spreading the disease and sharing it, I guess, with each other. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, then I guess probably female mule deer. And um, I think then it'd be white-tailed deer, deer, yep, and probably and bucks instead of overdose. And then I think and 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 it's but mule deer is far and away that's that's the most common. Yeah, um, and, and mule deer too. And then moose and elk are, are not as common. Yeah, at least yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you think why a mule deer? Now is it is it well, genetically more? You know, it just receives it easier, or you know that kind of. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think you know they do congregate quite a bit at certain. Oh yeah, the old deer really like to to pack up, and And whitetail are really kind of a small home range too. So I think it's maybe those types of behaviors. If they all start, you know, they're all working the same food source for for a while in the winter, right? They're in an agricultural uh, field for the winter, and there is one infected deer, and you can imagine. That infected deer is uh, defecating, urinating, it's oh, eating hay. Hay yards yeah, and stuff exactly. like that where, I mean, yeah. you just get a concentration. It is like being exactly. in a fence all of a sudden, so, right? Yeah. Even though they're they're um, on their own. Now, you had mentioned like positive uh, material entering the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Abi, drool, feces, all those type of things. Mm-hmm. Now, just touching on the, the carcass aspect. Um, yeah. Being that I'm a... You know, I'm a licensed trapper now. I do a little trapping on the home farm right. with my kids. You yeah, know, nice. it's a good time. It gets you out. Good excuse. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. great because you always have got to check the traps. So no yeah. one can stop you from going out every, yeah. it just so happens it's usually yeah, sun up and sun down, right? Yeah. So you do a little hunting, a little yeah, trapping. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we're intending again to, uh, you know, just localized population i mean we've got a lot of coyotes and different things at the farm so sure um i will generally be using found like roadkill yeah Um, which is you know very common very common right so um with that potentially if it was a positive it would be infectious things now there's been talk about you know do scavengers move it like is something Mm -hmm. if they eat that infected material is it destroyed in their guts yeah or is so, will it still be active essentially outside there or is it just the fact that it, they could pack away that material yeah. to somewhere new yeah. 
Um, yeah, um, I, I know Ravens, like, they can spread the prions. Um, I believe other predators can as well. Okay. I mean, um, something, I mean, to, to sort of reiterate is that, you know, it's, it's, that is a really interesting question. It's a really valid point. At mm. this point, um, you know, we're, we're not at that stage in British Columbia, right? Yeah. It, it is, I think it's always a good rule of thumb to probably try to keep your, you know, you know, try to keep the animals that are either harvested or, uh, you know, roadkill that you've collected, you know, keep, you know, keep them as you local use it as fairly, possible. you know, as local as you can, right? Mm -hmm. So that you're not, you know, by, by chance moving uh, infectious agent yeah. over a far distance. But, um, you know, right now we're not at that point. Should chronic wasting disease be detected in, you know, in British Columbia or in the Peace region, um, it's possible that, that, might change that, a little that, bit. that could change in certain areas, but uh, I, right now there's there's really no issue with it. It's mm -hmm. I mean it's just a good rule of thumb if you can, you know, especially the high risk tissues, things yep. like spinal cords, uh, you know, heads, heads, um, yeah, kind of leave them where you found them. Yep, it's probably best practice you can follow. Yeah, and uh, vice versa. Even myself, if mm -hmm. I was to pick up road kills like that, I would. I would honestly yeah. think about knocking them off yeah. and then yeah. dropping them off. Well, testing I mean that's as well. a great, yeah, that's uh, great because you're getting those samples anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I collect a number of them. Uh, there's, there's probably a few headless animals out on the highway right now, but I, I do talk to the conservation officers regularly, yep. and I'm talking to the, you know, road maintenance crews, letting them know that, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a legitimate kind of. Yeah, you're not just the guy out right? there sawing off. Heads. Yeah, because I'm not really equipped to take the entire carcass with me. No, it's pretty tough. Yeah. They'll come along and pick it up regardless. Yeah, they will. I mean, headless or not, yeah. they're going to pick it up off the side of the road here yeah. in BC. I know in Alberta, they don't pick up as many road kills. Mm. They got a different <laughs> mandate over there because you'll see the same road kill in the ditch right. all winter long. Right. But BC, like around here anyway, they pick yeah, them all up. Generally, is, they do a pretty good job. And then at least they're concentrating in one specific zone yeah. too. Um, yeah. And, yeah then it's you, and then it's buried. Yeah. Um, it is. I mean, right. I don't know how deep it's got to be, but... Well, it's buried. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of. Uh, it, I don't know how long the infectious material can sort of last in yeah. the environment, and I don't think anybody has figured that out yet. But it's, well, it could well be years. Really, it could well yeah. be years. So it's not your and typical virus or bacteria, which has a yeah, pretty short lifespan. Yeah, no, it's not a virus or bacteria. It's a, it's actually a it's a protein, right? It's yeah. a protein, and um, so it's not technically alive. That's right. Um, you could have a prion from a mammoth frozen in the ice, and it would still be essentially. Well, that, <laughs> not, that, that I don't know. You know, that, like, that, that, that I don't. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it would, protein, if it, if yeah, it would persist that long. Um, you know, our we have pre. I guess we have prions that naturally occur in our bodies, and you know, if they were exposed to the environment, I don't think they would last anywhere near as long. It's this sort of the, the chronic wasting disease transforms that prion into a different form. Right, right. Um, and makes it persist a lot longer in the wow. environment. So the naturally occurring prions in, in, in deer, um, they're altered by this. Wow. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I think we were going to uh, try to touch on the, um, you know, just the samples, mm -hmm. right? The, the samples that, uh, that, that, that we're taking. And so right now, basically, there's a number of different um, sort of drop-off locations. Yep. And I mean, there's a you know, great draw that you guys are running here at Core Lanes. Gets people talking, got, right? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you've got a, a, a rifle that's up for draw. Um, there's a smoker 
and there's a gift certificate. Yeah. Right. So those are you know, and not just a ten dollar rifle. No, it like is a beautiful a Tika rifle. package. Nice, yeah, it's like, like a Tika rifle that you know, uh, a guy will be. Is it like the T? Which it's a T3. Tika T3. So I mean, one of the best production rifles on the go, scoped up. Yeah. And. You know, if that doesn't motivate you, no. Um, you know, just being no, helpful just, and, and yeah. getting samples. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. I mean, I don't know. I'd like to think that people don't necessarily need the motivation, but but it doesn't hurt, right? Yeah, but everyone likes and, to. And so yeah, so you know, we're asking hunters to bring in, uh, you know, heads to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's you can bring it to your local butcher. You can bring it. There's uh, either one of the government offices. So there's the. the Ministry of Forests building yeah. on, 17th. So up on 17th. Yeah, you know, there's other locations in the North Peace as well that, that, that'll accept that. Yeah, because Richard's doing Richards and Poos. Yeah, yeah Poos yeah. Poopy, he'll do it. There's another butcher in uh, Rolla. Uh, her name's Brenda, being our oh, butchers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's uh, collected a few for me as well. So, nice. so that's good. But, um, you know, I think, uh, actually, let me just talk about the. The tissues that we're taking from deer, yeah, then that's and then from moose and elk, and then we can maybe transition into potentially yeah. improvements, at least. Oh, for sure. Know, like a little bit of conversation. Yeah, I think it's got super positive on the deer. Okay, so for for uh, mule deer and white-tailed deer, uh, we're taking uh, tonsils and we're taking lymph nodes. They're retropharyngeal lymph nodes. So tonsils, um, well, they're basically just kind of the back of the throat. Like it's it's a little different on the deer. Yeah. But they've got two tonsillar crypts, and in behind those tonsillar crypts in their throat um, are the tonsils. Um, the retropharyngeal lymph nodes are kind of you know if you were to landmark kind of around here, and then you've got your windpipe and you've got the spine, and it's kind of in between there, sort of buried in fat. They're kind of you know almost balls like that right just and, a marble or a yeah kind of something like that and it, yep. you know sometimes they'll be like cleary to opaque almost in a way like a little translucent white mm -hmm. or creamy other times depending if they've had a little trauma yeah you know they can be kind of bruised up and run it up box you might have yourself yeah a i don't of... know if that affects it but I don't it's know. more like if it's been shot in the head or if it's been, oh you know walled damaged by it. Yeah, yeah and then then the trauma could show in there even though yeah. it, the trauma yeah especially a right killer or something yeah. like that yeah yeah exactly um but I th one of the things, and, and then on moose and elk, we're collecting the lymph nodes, again, so kind of back up in here, and we're collecting part of the brainstem called the obex. And you're saying when you, um, you when you remove a head, you're yep. often just doing it right at that atlas yeah, joint. Yeah, you can do it with a knife right at the atlas joint, right. crack, and the head and, comes and, right off. And then you're looking at the atlas joint, and you're looking at that little white thing that's in there, right? You betcha. And, and that's part of the brainstem. And then if you're just to kind of cut, there's some little threads, if you go into that hole in the atlas joint or the... Right, that's that leads to the brain. Yeah, and you just kind of cut some of the threads. They're little kind of connecting tissues or something. Yeah, right? and they just and crunch. Then, I mean, we use a, a grapefruit spoon and we just kind of rock it back and forth, and we, you know, and then we can pull it out. And there's a place on that brainstem where it splits, and it and it shows a little Y, and that's the part that we sample. So that's called the obex or O B E O B E X. Yes. Um, you could probably also use you know a knife to do that as well. Um, you know, generally, uh, it. To, to, to collect these samples does take a little bit of practice, mm -hmm. right? But there's, you know, we were talking about a couple of ways that, um, um, you know, especially for guys that, and girls that get, uh, you know, have trophy animals that they want to hold on to, yeah. um, that they can get the samples taken really easily. Um, I, I will say that, you know, if, if you want to get, um, you know, whether it's a European mount or, you know, maybe something like more of a full head mount, yep. we can still sample it. The, the hard part is that 
often the hunter's not going to want to, you know, drop that head off, and um, then we have to store it somewhere until I can sample it, right? That's so, right. so the hard part is just really in that case, and, just coordinating to take and a the sample. time of the year. Yep. I mean, obviously, like if I, you know, say get a moose off in the hills. Yep. Yeah. Into the boat, you know, you do your thing. That head, typically, my field technique is yeah. to, you know, if I'm going to euro it, boom, boom. Yep. Remove that lower jaw, yep. make it as light and portable as possible, and then focus on the meat aspect. Yeah. Um, so that head, by the time it gets to you, could be yeah, it could six be. days old. It could be, yeah. And, 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 depending, on, and depending on the weather, right, it, it, it could be uh, so starting that, to go. Yeah, so that was the other thing. Like if we did break it down into a smaller parcel or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and and apparently there's hunters in the, in the Kootenays now, right, where, it's, where this deer sampling is mandatory yeah some of them have uh, started basically taking that lower jaw off right you said that's yeah. a process you're really familiar Sup- with from you know guiding super and whatnot, easy right? yeah and from outfitting so by taking that lower jaw off and, and i'll be honest i haven't done that on a deer looking for the lymph nodes but apparently if you do that uh, in a certain way you can retain the lymph nodes and the tonsils and that might be you know a, a pretty easy way for hunters especially on deer where we're sampling lymph nodes and tonsils yeah to, to provide a lower jaw sample. Yeah, lower jaw. And, and takes I up think, little space. And I think great. the participation aspect on that would yeah. be super great because, so, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of guys that are hunting deer, granted I'm one of them, I like to harvest a mature buck. Yep. Or I don't, sure. hunt, right. I don't harvest anything. Right. I like to hunt a large deer. Yep. They eat the same as a small deer. Yep. It's just, they're just mature and older, and, yeah. and that's what I look for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it trophy hunting? Sure, to a degree, but I'm looking for an well, age. Well, yeah, I mean, regardless. Regardless. You know. Uh, you know. Yeah. And, and, it, and I mean, if it's a... If I want just a straight meat animal, yeah, I'll go get a cow sure. elk late. Yeah, yeah. But for the, the thing I like to do, I like to hunt, I like to mm-hmm. be there. If I don't harvest something, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, I mean, this is, this is really, I think is really important, you know, talking to... Um, you know especially you know people that really do focus on on those mature animals right because that's you know often the animals that we would like to sample yeah right so how can we get more participation on those mature animals where where people don't or hunters don't want to necessarily um you know they want to hold on to that head for yeah they're packing it around for a full head mount whatever it is and a lot of the times uh you know like the caping of the deer again whether i shoot something I'm looking to put on the wall mm-hmm. like in a full cape like it's original cape and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff or something I'm going to European I even if I shoot an average year I European almost every of them I hang them in my shop but right. always with full skull I really yeah, like yeah. it yeah. Um, so a lot of those samples are lost because yeah you know I'm thinking brain only yeah. you know I'm thinking yeah. not thinking of that now when yeah. I talk to you here I'm thinking well that's super great if we can pull you know once I cape it off I've got open access to all mm-hmm. that you just mm-hmm three yeah, or four and, cuts and, and it comes off like nothing and then taking that so for moose and elk taking that obec sample or that piece of the brain stem yeah. it's actually quite simple oh. especially if you're going right to that it's um, like a spoon into a joint anyway. kiwi fruit yeah well it's actually the process yeah. yeah no i yeah so you know i think with a little bit more um, i think with some you, workshops you know, or some training or so um, yeah and get into you know some of your things like uh, your local wildlife federation, yep. your trappers association, and, and yep. then just a general, um, 
you know, no different than educating people on how to tell the difference between mm-hmm. uh, a nanny and a billy, yep. how yep. to tell a moose from this. Yeah, you you, you know, put that and, out there, they're forced to look at it. Yeah, and and you have to retain some and, of that and knowledge. The part, so removing a lower jaw, you know, to me that's that's a good option because it's not asking the hunter to, um, you know, remove the actual tissues themselves from yep. from that part because. You know, you know, I I know that it's, yeah, I I can find those retropharyngeal lymph nodes. Yes. But you could get a lesson, right? So so let's go do a lesson now, right? Mm-hmm. And then you don't harvest an animal. Maybe you know we're, our timelines are all messed up here. But let's say for two months. That's right. Are you going to remember where that is? Probably not. Probably not, right? But you can take out a piece this big, exactly. and the lower jaw, and if it's is yeah. always wasted. Yeah. Nothing. No euro mounts have it. Yep. Nobody focuses on the lower jaw, right? Except for the teeth, yeah, the incisor teeth and things like that for certain compulsory sure. inspections, right? So, but you're allowed to remove the teeth from the lower jaw. The rest of the lower jaw will stay in the field, like right. with caribou, uh, with a lot of different. Even your sheep now, yeah, uh, you bring a tooth out as well, the right. incisor teeth. Right. So, um, so I think that has a lot of promise, and oh, I mean that's that's I, just something that we've kind of. You know, we've just explored yeah. it a little bit through just right now. And the taxidermy right. shops so. and things like that, uh, people who don't know how to cape an animal, they'll yeah. bring them to a taxidermy shop yeah. for the taxidermist to cape them. Mm-hmm. So they'll cape them. Next thing the taxidermist does, pull the lower jaw off yeah. and either cut the skull yeah. um, and then it's it's done. So, I mean, those parts, yeah, they will be a lot more present yeah. I think it'll be a I, great well tool. I, I think it's you know yeah I think it's really it's it's really worth uh, you know exploring this a little bit further because yeah. um, I mean we're just like really this hunt this program relies so much on hunter participation yep. right and hunters and have been great uh, but there's there's and I know just, there's a ton of just animals also just one guy I'm just one guy right so and, when you got a lineup of 56 guys who want to drop off oh, yeah. a sample yep and well, yeah. you're actually in the field doing something yeah. what are they going to do drive away yes because so. it needs to be easy so yeah there's definitely um you know Im- you know improvements oh. that can be made yep. and and that's it's really good to to hear about them and it's really good to hear about them from someone who interacts with so many you know yeah. hunters and 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 listen to uh and and, and just in field prep of all sorts from yeah your your field butchering to like yep. mountain field butchering where now i mean you're pulling out your basically dismantling them in the field where a deer conveniently around here mm-hmm. is usually an agricultural scene you can yep. get something to it you're dealing with a full carcass most of the time yep. you bring it home to hang it yep. skin it that's right nice and easy and at that point i mean to pop a jaw off if you yeah with that type of scenario yep. and you can whack them off by oh, yeah. the dozens in oh, yeah. seconds it's a good idea yeah and, a great idea. and even with the hair on you can yep. just actually just come right behind the ear and just come yep. down and by the lips yeah and, and it's, so it's yeah. off so i think that that technique has a lot of promise for um, people harvesting mature animals yeah right that they want to keep that they want to keep that trophy and also for especially for people who are you know hunting a little further uh in into the bush, bush right yeah. and you, you know you, you don't want to you want to make it as light as possible yeah right? no that's so. no that's yeah, definitely so, something that yeah if a guy put a, get together a little workshop on that that would be awesome that is definitely doable and I know there's been some proactive approaches as well with with certain types of scents, like not allowing uh, BC is now right. essentially yes, it has to be synthetic scent only. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I mean, again, if the 
if the pure stuff is the best or whatever, uh, I'm more than welcome to use synthetic. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. it prevents an outbreak within your borders yeah. and they're they're linking that, and I mean, it's it obviously contains well, infected material. Of, if and it, most if it of the, could. I mean, I think all the scents are probably um, done from farmed animals. Absolutely. Right. So. Yeah, they're not oh, chasing yeah. bucks around and kept nope. hot. You know, <laughs> that, would, that would be some expensive uh, that would lure, be, eh? Exactly. So, but, you know, things like that uh, yeah, I and think that's are the, great. I mean... And that's fairly recent, I think. That, that yeah, that was just only been... Like a, the last year, right? And we've seen it, too. Like I say, our yeah. ordering is different. We're on the Alberta-BC border, mm-hmm. so we do have... Um, you know, there's notices or whatever, but there is mm-hmm. still scent because in Alberta you can still use right. uh, natural yeah. scents, right? But yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a bad approach. And again, if mm-hmm. you can keep it out yeah. through that means, because it's directly related, yeah, feces, yeah, this and that. So I mean, um, that's that's really it. Is it's you know doing everything you can to minimize the risk of chronic waste and disease entering yeah. the province, and whether that's you know, through you know guys hunting in Alberta, um, you know that's it's you've got to basically have your animal kind of processed or boned out there, right? You can't be bringing any high risk tissues back into British Columbia. Yeah. Um, I think last year alone there was probably there was at least a half dozen cases where, um, you know, and then I think the, the people followed all the correct procedures. Um, and they had their animals tested in Alberta, but they, they were positive for chronic wasting disease. You know, they would have brought the meat back. So now that meat obviously has to be disposed of, yeah. you know, properly, right? Yep. Yep. Because, yep. You, you And know, what is proper be, disposal, per se? Uh, would like, be, what would be, like the, right now, we're basically looking at, you know, secure landfills. So burying okay. it in secure landfills, something that's, you know, preferably lined and, um, and you know, really has no risk of, of, of getting outside of there. So, yeah. You know, I know that. And there's not a lot of animal influence other than ravens. No, uh, you know, exactly. exactly. It gets buried very buried. quickly, right? Um, apparently, you know, you would have to have an incredibly hot <laughs> fire to actually destroy the prions. Really? Yeah. So, so I mean, the infectious agent, you know, the prions, they can basically persist in the environment. So, let's take a farm field, right? Yep. They could persist in that farm field for could be years, right? They can mm-hmm. even be uptaken by plants and transmitted to, you know... Grazers. Uh, to, yeah, like deer, that way, right? Interesting. Um, yeah, so the, it is, but you couldn't simply, um, you know, if you were just to... Throw it in the burn barrel or... Or basically if you could just burn, yeah, or burn that field or, um, yeah, in the burn barrel, I suppose it's not going to get hot enough. I think you need a specific, you know, kind of furnace for that. And I would imagine that if there you know if we did get positive cases there would probably be some adaptations in, in you know how we yeah. dispose of that material yeah yeah interesting yeah because mm-hmm. like i say pretty pretty ruthless thing actually it is I mean, that is a tough character, well it's nature character, right? i guess that's i mean it's part of nature and it's trying to it's, it's weird thing is it's not alive so yeah. i can't really say it's trying to live but it's it's, yeah. it's kind of mind-blowing but yeah. it's yeah it's adapted to it for sure yep exactly. um you know, I guess, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, as sportsmen or eco people across the board, everyone, uh, you'd mentioned, we all have a stake in this, yeah. obviously, and yeah, cooperative effort is probably our best tool at this point. I mean, science is working, but 
yeah, in I mean, order for it to work, is these samples, these yeah. everything's have to be. I think this, this, yeah, and this is a really great opportunity for, um, you know, the government, mm -hmm. you know, the you know stakeholders, um, you know, outdoorsmen, outdoors people, First Nations, um, you know, everybody that loves the outdoors, you know loves hunting or even just loves um you know having the animals on yeah, the landscape yeah. exactly because that's i mean that's big too right? right um it's an opportunity for everybody to kind of come together and um and do something positive right this yeah. is right now we're at a proactive stage yeah i mean we can look at some of these other places and go it's all doom and gloom like what are we going to do it's, it's here, coming, here yeah, it comes it's, and it's going to zombie you apocalypse know, but, is on the doorstep but it's right? you know it's not here yet no, it's and not here. we do have an opportunity um basically come together and 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 try to do something about it you know we can, we're doing our early surveillance yep. um we you know the process if there is a case is going to be collaborative and um and, and really it's i mean the hunters are doing you know they're it's an opportunity to almost give back right like they're contributing to this program so that um they can hopefully have this resource to, right. to enjoy for years and years and years. Because yeah, their heritage depends on it as well, and yeah. and your confidence in it, and your your say your yep. meat consumption, your, your ability, you know, just to yeah, to, just to, to be here and doing the thing. So yeah, yeah, or just to take you know, to, you, know you harvest an animal and you take those tenderloins or whatever and eat them up right away, yep. right, and don't even think about it. It's exactly, great. you just yeah, you just you don't even have that in the back of your mind, no. and it's no. it's all good. And right now we're we're we aren't at the point where. You know, you have to be worried about that, but it's something that we should be doing proactively. That's right. Like we don't want to be scaring. That's one thing I don't want to do is to scare here, hunters into thinking, "Oh my goodness, you, you, you know, can't, not, you can't do this and that." Yeah. Right. But and if you have a good blueprint here, where you get a proactive approach, it it, it gives other provinces and other territories mm -hmm. a tool to start working with. Yeah, right? absolutely. So they'll start incorporating that just in their education part yep. you know they'll put it in their core program they'll put it in with this and that yep. they'll make people aware of it well even if you're you're free of something like i say the world's pretty connected now yeah, um yeah. so as things change i mean the environment changes the temperature changes all these things change so do diseases yeah we're always we if it's not this it's probably something else something's right? evolving we'll be behind with, it and and taking you know learning how to deal with these things is a you know sort of as a community right yep. um instead of just having it top down this is how it's going to be i mean some things are always going to be like that right oh yeah but i mean but giving people who really use the resource an opportunity to participate and have feedback and contribute yep. to the sustainability of that resource i think is just a you know it's a, it's a really good opportunity oh i agree you for know, sure and when i know that you know we all appreciate what corlanes has done to um you know put on this raffle and to you know try to educate hunters yep. and uh, outdoors people and i mean it's it's fantastic we really yep. really do appreciate it and like i say we'll continue to support it as well because it's a yeah. part of our community always yeah. and um yeah no i had a this was a great conversation i was really glad i got yeah. to be a part of this and uh i can't thank you enough brian that's well, awesome i yeah thanks for and having we'll have, thanks for having me greg awesome. and yeah we'll have to do you know like i say do we'll follow up stuff so. as things change and yeah. then if we have some uh information for hunters yeah. or if there's a like a field testing system that gets developed yeah. we'd I, love to be I, on the forefront of that yeah. and get I, this well, out I, th I think you, you i think you will be <laughs> All <laughs> because right. i mean you know i anything that we do that's going to be sort of implemented field level yeah. you know really has to be um 
you know easy for the hunter yeah and I, I can't you know think of you oh, know yeah. you know you'd be great to basically trial it yeah right no, Say, I, hey is this does this work does this work for you our guy's gonna do this yep and, and you know let's go with that and i think uh you know tentatively i think in january um we'll have kate will probably be coming up from the bc wildlife health okay. team and we can probably you know put something on that we'll save awesome. a few save a few heads well yeah throw me <laughs> on the list of invites Absolutely. and yeah i'm glad to take part of some of that and yeah. uh Again, anything I pick up, you know, for trapping wise, yeah, I'm thinking I'll just uh, give me a call. I'll do some, yeah. I'll do some jaws or whatever absolutely. as well. And yeah, yeah, because yeah, I mean, it, you know, and if you even if you've got, uh, I'm sure you've got something better to do. But you know, if if you don't, just bring it on by and we can yeah. give it a try. Well, like right? I say, we can just take that bottom jaw, see if we've got all the things we need, and we can maybe hash out a uh, more formal criteria exactly it could be it could be a good well deal. i'm in for that nope could be a good i deal. can run a knife that's for sure <laughs> okay well thanks yeah. again brian all right appreciate it you bet